Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Buddy, good to see you. Good. Okay, you're, you're, you're with me. Thank you, Billy. Yeah, it's it's um it's Palm Sunday, which means next week is Easter, and around here Easter's a big deal. And um, we we believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And when we celebrate on Easter or Resurrection Sunday, we are celebrating that. Like, that's what we are celebrating, that grave could not hold him. Death did not have power over him, and he rose with all power in his hands. So what do you have that he can't touch? What, do, what are you dealing with that he can't strengthen? What are, what, are you, what are you dealing with in your life that he does not have authority in? And uh, So we're going to celebrate the friend. Uh, to a friend, a family member, a coworker, uh, to church with you on Easter, uh, or maybe just encourage someone that uh, may- maybe they don't live around here. Encourage them to go to church on Easter, uh, not because we we uh, need more people in chairs, but because we know that God leverages every bit of it for His glory. That He uses it so that people can come to know Him. He's already working on them. He's already drawing them. His Spirit is already calling them. And we are just the conduits of an invitation. And, uh, and we're going to see God do such an incredible thing this Easter. So invite somebody. Um, the next thing I would encourage you to do is, um, is to pray. Church family, our power is not in our ability to manage things. Our strength is not in our, our, our systems or the building. Our strength is in the power of prayer. And so we pray, we, we get on our face before God, and, and we, we believe that what God is going to do, not just this Easter, but in the weeks and months to come, in the lives of those that he's drawing, it's just going to be radical. It's going to change their lives. So pray, church, pray. There's power in a praying church. There's power in a praying mom. There's power in a praying dad. <clears throat> not just an attending family, but a praying family. Is that all right? Let's do it. And, uh, and so come to Pursuit Night. We're going to be praying. Uh, that'll be 6.30 tonight. And another thing I would encourage you to do is this. For Easter, serve. So, so serve in, in the house on, on this Easter. We've got four services and, and, uh, and not enough people to make that happen. So we need you. If you're already on the team, contact your, your, whoever your team leader is and say, hey, I, 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 I want to get involved. I want to serve. If you are not on a team but you call Celebration Church your home, uh, for this Sunday, next Sunday only, for, for Easter Sunday only, I hereby dub you on the team. Um, and so we need you to get involved. Um, we don't necessarily need you to sing. Uh, we don't need you to go volunteer with kids because we do background checks and we don't want anybody tackling you. Um, <clears throat> we've got a great security team. But, but what we do need is this. We need you to leverage your voice and your life uh, to, to make an impact on those that are, that are coming to Jesus. And so, um, yeah, so that's, that's what we're doing. We, we need, um, very good. <clears throat> All right. And the last thing I need is I need us to share, um, I, I need us to share our seats because the Lord knows we don't have enough seats in the room. So if, if you, um, if you are, uh, calling Celebration Church your home, and you, and you don't happen to have somebody coming with you this Easter, I would encourage you to just uh, take one of the, the early service or the late service so that we can make room for, uh, for everybody in the house. Is that all right? Yeah? Okay. I got five of you. I'm like, five. five. I'll take five. That's great. That's, I'll take five. So I was, um, I was born and raised in Alaska. And uh, how do you know if somebody's from Alaska? 
don't worry about it. We're going to tell you. We're going to tell you. And uh, so don't worry about it. And that, I, know, uh, I know many of you have already heard me tell that joke. That's okay. Uh, I think it's funny. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm from Alaska, and, and my, my family and I, we moved here um, several years ago, about uh, eight, eight or nine years ago, we moved here. And we moved here because I married a California girl. And, uh, and, and Idaho seemed to be a great uh, happy medium between California and Alaska. And so we landed, boom, here. But also we moved here because uh, I have family here. My family homesteaded in, uh, in the Twin Falls area, like in the late 20s, early 30s. Is, I think it was early 30s is when they got here. And, um, and so I've got a lot of family in the, in the valley. And um, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about, um, about that. <clears throat> Okay, um, sorry, I'm just distracted. Um, when I moved here, I, I, uh, I, I had my same cell phone number from Alaska for quite a while. And um, I, I kept the same number, I didn't change it, and so for, for the longest time I just had my Alaska number, and, um, and I, I really liked it. It was, uh, it was a sense of like, yeah, this is, I'm from Alaska, and sometimes there would be like a person that would know if, if, I, if I gave them my number, they would know where it was from, and it's like, we have an inside thing. But a couple of years ago, about a year and a half ago, I changed my number to an Idaho number. And, and as easy as that seems, if you've never changed your number, um, just understand, it makes life complicated. I... Um, I, I had to contact anything that had, like, a password that would send it to my phone. I had to, like, contact the bank and all the different institutions to try to get them to send the passwords. Because at first, what I would do is I would, like, ask for the passcode, and it would go to my old number. So then I would text the guy that has my old number. And I'd be like, hey, do you mind sending me that old, the sending me the number? And, uh, and I also didn't, like, update all, I didn't do, like, a blast to all the contacts on my phone. Um, and like, hey, this is my new number. I just, I just figured the people that were, are in my life, they would, they would be able to get it. And, and we, we, anybody that doesn't have my number or doesn't care to know about my number, they can just kind of like have the old number. And so, so it, it was really simple. It was all good. And, and then um, a couple, about a year ago, I had a guest, a, a friend speaking for us. And he was from Southern California. Um, and he was, he was in the area, and, and as he was getting ready to speak for us, he, uh, he had called me, and what he didn't realize was he was not calling me. He was calling my old number, and so he called, and in his best preacher voice, he started just teasing me about what he was going to preach about on a Sunday, and so he, he calls my old number, and he's like, hey, Brother Aiden, right, like this preacher, hey, Brother Aiden, I just want you to know that I've got a word from God for Celebration Church. He's like, I've been reading in the book of Revelation, and I've discovered what the four horsemen are, and I've put together, and I can tell, I can identify who the Antichrist is. He's like, oh, celebration is in for a blessing this Sunday. And the person on the other, other lines it said, I, I don't think this is who you think it is. And he said, oh, Brother Eden, don't be like that. Don't be so shy. He's like, it's going to be glorious. Like the Lord's going to do amazing work. It's going to be amazing. We're going we're gonna, to, you know, call out the, all the things. He starts going. And the person says, this is not who you think it is. He says, don't be so contrary. This is your man of God. And, and the person on the other line said, this is not Roger Yaden. And it was at that point that he realized that the person that has my old number is not only not a believer, they are very against belief, against faith. And they're like super like upset. And, and my friend, he was, he, was, uh, he was a little bit embarrassed. It was this moment of like, oh, no. like he realized, in that moment, he realized, I'm not talking to who I thought I was talking. Has anybody ever done that? Like a moment where you thought you were talking to somebody wasn't who you thought you were talking to. We have these, these moments in life, these little like specific moments that um, where we might have a re realization like that. There, there, there might be a moment in your life where you could have been embarrassed like that, where you, where you thought you were doing something, but it was a little bit embarrassing. Maybe for you, you've had a, a romantic moment in your life. Maybe for you, you've had a, a peaceful moment. Has anybody ever experienced just a peaceful moment? 
Anybody experience an exciting moment uh, or a fulfilling moment? I told my wife, I think it was last, uh, last Monday or last Sunday night, Sunday night or Monday, as I went to bed, I said, this is the best night I've had all year. It was just, I just felt like such a good dad that night. I felt like my kids, you know, as a parent, sometimes it starts, it becomes far and few between when, you're, when your kids like acknowledge and love and appreciate what you're doing. I went to bed, I, said, I just feel so fulfilled. I feel like I'm killing it at the dad game. <laughs> Have you ever had a desperate moment? Have you ever had a moment when it was difficult, maybe a, maybe a terrifying moment? Have you, have you ever had a proud moment, a moment where you were proud of somebody that you cared about, they, their accomplishments, or, or, or maybe, maybe something you did, and, and you just sense like, ah, oh, I'm, doing, I'm doing a good job? Have you ever had, immediately after a proud moment, a very humbling moment? Yeah. It seems like the humbling moments always come on the heels of the proud moments, have you ever had a spiritual moment? Have you ever had a spiritual moment where you, where you could not deny that you encountered God? A moment where you encountered him. I, I, I know for me, I, I, I was raised in church, and I had had several times where I felt the presence of God, but I remember when I was 13, there was this this moment where I encountered the presence of God and it changed the trajectory of my life. Like it was, it was in that, just that specific moment where, where I realized that the God had a plan for my life that was better than any other plan that I could set for myself. It was just that moment, an, an encounter with God. And I think many of us, we, we find ourselves Busy and chasing after the things in our life. We chase after our, our careers or, or we, we chase after our, our influence or, or, or we run after collecting possessions, houses, cars, investments. But I think all of that is really a symptom. It, it, it's really... It's really pointing to the fact that what we're truly craving is not possessions, it's not influence, and it's not a career that's worthy of, of note. What we're really chasing after is a life that matters. I think that's why we try so hard in life is because we all want a life that matters. And can I submit to you today that to find a life that matters, it can only be found through a moment with God. A life that matters can only be found in Jesus Christ. And so today we're, we're celebrating Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the Sunday before the resurrection of Jesus. It's it's a celebration of the moment that Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem down from the Mount of Olives across the Valley Kidron and up into the city as a triumphant king. As he, he entered the city, the, the people recognized him and they, 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 they shouted praise to him. It was, it was an incredible moment. It's a moment that marks history. And, and in the Bible, there are uh, a couple accounts of this moment. There are some, some records of when Jesus came down the Mount of Olives, across Kidron, and up into Jerusalem. One of those accounts was recorded by John. John was a, a disciple or a follower, a student of Jesus. He was very young. He was, he was probably a young teenager while he was following Jesus at this time. And he recorded what he saw in that moment. It says this in John chapter 12. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. The news of Jesus swept 
through the city. And, th and that's really why we're doing four services. That's why we are, are expanding the, the building over here. That's why people showed up this week and cleaned up all the dust that was everywhere. Because we believe that the news of Jesus is sweeping across our families. That the news of Jesus is sweeping across our city. That the good news of Jesus is going to brim over Canyon County and into the Treasure Valley. The news of Jesus is going to flood our nation and the world. Like We believe that the news of Jesus is what changes everything. And, and that's why we serve. Right? That's why there's people serving in kids ministry right now. It's not because they wanted to give you a child-free moment. It's because they believe the news of Jesus flooding into the hearts of your kids will make a forever difference. That's why we give, because we believe the news of Jesus is sweeping across our land. That's why we tell our friends and family, because we trust the news of Jesus. And that's why, again, 13 people showed up on Saturday to clean up dust that was all over this building from the construction because they believe that the news of Jesus is spreading and they wanted to prepare the way. So, so I would ask you today, what part of your life, what part of your life still seems dark? You, you may be a believer today. I recognize that in the room we have people that have been living for God for a while, and we've got people that's, that would not call themselves Christians, but they're kicking the tires. They kind of want to know what it's about. And whether you've been living for God for a long time or, or whether you're still exploring faith, my question to you is this. What part of your life is still filled with darkness? What, what part of your life still seems hopeless? What part of your life still makes you feel as though you have no control? What part of your life gives you a sense of helplessness? What, what part of your life makes you out of control? What, what part of your life seems discouraging? I, I would ask you, what part of your life is it that you just wish that it would be different? Let me say it like this. What part of your life has not yet heard the news of Jesus that is sweeping through your body? What part of your life needs to hear the news of Jesus? Because can I tell you today, whether it's a broken marriage, whether it's the difficulties of being a single mom, whether it's the pain and a heartache, that you've been walking with for years, whether it's just a financial opportunity that makes you insecure, can I tell you that Jesus is absolutely an expert at taking broken things and making them whole. The Bible goes on and it says this, that a large crowd of Passover visitors, they took palm branches and, when they, went down the, and they went down the road to meet him and they shouted, Praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. This morning as I woke up, some of my friends that are in Jerusalem were, were posting videos of, of pilgrims all, all down the Mount of Olives and across the valley with palm branches marching into the city. Thousands upon thousands of people in the city right now marching in for Palm Sunday. And, and uh, it's this incredible expression that we see. And, and I don't I know there's a lot of speculation as to why it was the, the branch of a palm. There, there's a lot of people that feel they have it figured out. I, I don't have it figured out. What I do know is this, is that a palm branch is just a beautiful symbol uh, of, of, of honor when, when you're waving it. It creates, it creates cool air on somebody. It creates shade. It's, it's, but, but ultimately, like, the, the palm trees that they have there are different. Maybe, maybe you've seen a palm tree if you've been to the Middle East or if you've been to Southern California. You might have seen a palm tree. But these palm trees they're using are more than likely 
the palms off of date trees. It's really the dates that have the palms, and that's what they're using. And so I don't know if somebody was perhaps just you know trimming the trees and they were just laying around, or if somebody shimmied their way at the trees and started throwing them down. What we do know is this, is that people began to wave palm branches at Jesus as though he was a king entering a city. And they said three things as they did this. They said, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord, and hail to the king of Israel. Have you ever returned home from a trip, and maybe your loved ones, the people you care about, they were like super excited to see you? Maybe you were deployed, and when you came back, like there's people on the tarmac waiting for you, and it's just the most amazing moment. Maybe maybe you were newly engaged, and, and you've just been far from each other for a, for a, three days or something, and like when you saw each other, it was like it was amazing. Or or maybe you've had the opposite, like you were gone on a business trip, and when you came home, you like told your kids, "Daddy's home," and they're just like on their Nintendo, like, "Okay, what'd you bring me?" It's like, I, I did bring you something, but you get nothing now. You ain't getting nothing. This is what's going on. It's the tri- they're receiving Jesus into the city, and they're, they're so excited about this moment of reunion. And the very first thing that they say is this, praise God. Praise God. Now, this word that we see here in English, praise God, is not specifically praise God. It's a word that would take more to translate it into English. And the word, we sang it on the very last song, the word is Hosanna. Hosanna. And what Hosanna actually means, it has the idea of praise God. Later in the etymology of the word, it becomes praise God. But during this time, the meaning of the word Hosanna is save us now. Rescue us now. Come free us now. Because the children of Israel in this period of time had been under occupation, beginning with the Assyrians to the Babylonians, and now they're under occupation of the Romans. And the Romans were were oppressing them, and the Romans made life difficult, and the Romans were taxing them for every dollar that they had. And so they were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for a Savior that would come and that would free them. So they're, they're crying out, rescue us now. Free us from the pain now. Get us out from under this regime now. And Jesus had every intent of rescuing them, but he just didn't plan on rescuing them the way they desired to be rescued. He does the same thing for you and I. Sometimes we'll cry out to God to do a specific thing in our life, and his response is, yes, just not the way you think it should be done. And so they were looking for a king that would overthrow Rome in the region. But Jesus said, what I will do is I will come, I will, I will reveal myself. And in just a few days, he would, he would go before an illegal trial at night. And he would be scourged with a whip that would tear the flesh from his back. And he would be, he would be, be nailed. They would take nails or spikes that would stick through the bones of his, of his hands and, and his ankles and put him on a tree. And he would suffer and die on that tree. And in three days, he would, he would be put away into a tomb. And three days later, he would, he would rise back out of that tomb with the power over death, hell, and the grave. His, his answer to them was not that you're looking to a political party. If we can just vote in the right people, everything will be right. His answer wasn't if we can just pass the right legislation, everything's going to be all right. His answer was, I will take authority over the very thing that you are most terrified of, death, hell, and a grave. He would take the keys of hell, and he would give you the opportunity to live in freedom with God forever. Like this... 
the significance of this is so incredible. It's, if you've been to Israel, you would know that, uh, that, that the gate that, that Jesus will return to, the Bible says he will descend on the Mount of Olives and he will enter the city. The, the gate that leads directly into the city from the Mount of Olives has been sealed. It, it now has bricks. And if you didn't know there was a gate there, you wouldn't notice the, the silhouette of the old gate that is, that is now just part of the wall. It's been blocked because uh, the, the, the Muslims that lived there were, they didn't want Jesus to return, so they blocked the gate. And, and then they took it a step further. They, they knew that a rabbi could not be, be uh, uh, touch, he couldn't touch dead things. He, he can't be around the dead. And so what they did is there's a, there's a graveyard that goes from the gate down the valley. So if you were to come through that gate again, you'd have to walk through a graveyard and then through a bricked wall. Because they were saying that a rabbi should not be able to, to defile himself with graves. I think they missed the very power of the resurrection. That Jesus has power over death hell and the grave, the very thing you fear most. He has power and authority over it, and he can walk across the sea of tombs without it defiling him because he has authority over it. He's authority over it. And so they're crying out, rescue us now. Would you rescue us now? Would you save me now? And I know that for me, I, I needed to come to a place in my life where I cried out, save me now. I was raised in church. I'd lived for God. I was doing churchy things. I was, I was involved in what was going on in the church. But I remember a time when I was in my early 20s, as I was studying scripture, that I realized that I have been doing the God things. I have been following the Jesus way, and I have never cried out to him, rescue me now. I needed a moment of open acknowledgement. If you were to meet me, you would have thought that I was a mature believer, but I had never crossed the threshold of saying, I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Internally, I had already submitted to his lordship, but it had never come out of my mouth like in this moment of, I surrender to the lordship of Jesus in my life. I think we all need a moment of open acknowledgement. A moment where we cross from saying, Jesus, I'll stay with you until something better comes along. Jesus, I'm your ride or die until it gets difficult. There needs to be a moment of open acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord. This is what it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This moment where we say, Jesus, I, I'm not asking you to be a consultant on my marriage. I'm not asking you to be a consultant on my wild emotions. I'm not asking you to be a consultant to help me with my financial decisions. I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life, the boss of my life. So I would ask you, maybe for you, again, you have not yet had that moment of open acknowledgement. Is that your next step? To choose and say, Jesus be Lord of my life. Maybe for you, you've been living for God for a long time, but you need to circle back around. If you're honest, you need to circle back around to the basics and say, no, I'm going to make sure Jesus is Lord of my life. I remember uh, growing up in northern Canada in the Yukon. My dad was out hunting, and he met a guy uh, at a gas station that they started talking, and, and the guy discovered that my dad was a Christian, and the guy looked at my dad and said, he said, I'm a Christian too. Just don't tell anybody. I'm a covert Christian. I'm a secret Christian. He said, I'm able to infiltrate the enemy's camp. They don't even know I'm a believer. Can I tell you there's no such thing as a covert Christian? 
Like, it sounds like a horrible TV show. Covert Christians, where Christians pretend like they're not Christians. Like, that's, like, look at Sally now. She's entering the room with all of her friends, doing all the things that God doesn't want her doing. Like, but she's a covert Christian. Like, that's not, it's not a thing. We have to openly declare that Jesus is Lord. We must openly declare that Jesus is Lord. And I think if I was honest, I would say this, that for me anyway, there are times, if I'm honest, like I'm not honest. <laughs> there are times in my life, and I know that I'm, I'm the pastor, I'm supposed to have it all together. But there are times when circumstances, difficulties, relationships, or even my own emotions get the best of me. And, and they, make me, they make me wonder, like, well, what's really going on in my life? Who's really in charge here? And, and there's been moments, even, even recently, where I had to stop and say, no, Roger, your emotions will surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Your mind, I commanded my mind, mind you will surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Because he's Lord of our lives. He's, he's Lord. When I remind my soul that Jesus is Lord, it, it changes everything. It changes everything. It, it's when we forget that he is Lord that we struggle. And then the next thing that they say is this. They say, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. I, I think this is interesting that they, they go from declaring Praise God, uh, Hosanna, to, to now bless, let's bless him. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Because here's the deal, is that when we come to Jesus for the first time, it, it usually comes from a place of what I'm currently doing isn't working. Maybe you watched Dr. Phil and you heard him say, well, how's that working for you? And we realize that what we're doing isn't working and we need Jesus. But once we find him, things in our lives begin to shift. They always do. I, I, I discovered this, that, that when I became a believer, when I really started following Jesus, it was when I discovered that what Jesus really cares about and what I really care about are actually the same thing. It was that moment of revelation, like, oh, what I really care about is the same thing Jesus really cares about, me. Because I really care about me, and I discovered Jesus really cares about me. And so I turned my life to him, and I, I said, if you really care about me, then I'm in. But as I began to follow him, I discovered that it wasn't so much about dis discovering that he cares about what I care about. Now I'm learning to love what he cares about. And I see that what he cares about is hurting and dying and lost people all around me that do not have my name. And what I've discovered is that he cares about the single mom. And he cares about the person that's struggling with addiction. And he cares about the person that looks like they've got it all together on the outside but internally, they're worried, they're stressed out beyond all comparison. He, he, he cares about a hurting and lost world. And so it goes from me liking Jesus because he cares about what I like, but then it shifts to me now caring about what he likes. It's interesting here in this, this portion is that Matthew records a unique detail in this, this triumphant entry. Matthew records this, that the people that were waving the palm fronds and praising Jesus took off their robes, their coats, their jackets, their shackets, <laughs> whatever they were wearing on the out, their external clothing, they, they took it off and they throw it down on the ground in front of Jesus. 
it's really interesting because Jesus is coming down the Mount of Olives on a cult. He's, he's fulfilling prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, where it says that the, the king of Israel would, would be revealed in peace and, and, and gentleness. He'd be revealed riding on a donkey on a colt on the foal of a donkey. So what this means is he's not riding on a full-grown donkey. He's riding a baby donkey. It would have been easier for him to walk. He's fulfilling prophecy is what he's doing. And so he's, he's like dragging his feet. He's, it's like riding a big wheel. Like he's, he's on a full of a donkey, and the people are waving palm fronds and throwing their clothes in front of him. Why, why are they throwing their clothes in front of him? What, what, are, they, what are they doing? Why would they, why would they throw their clothes down in front of him? Can I say this, that he entered on a pathway of what they had to offer. He descended the valley on a path of what they were able to contribute. What they were able to lay down at his feet was the very thing he used to be able to reach further into the heart's and the minds of the city. What we need is not just a moment of open confession and open acknowledgement, but we need a moment of real contribution. When we follow Jesus, at first it's all about us, but it begins to shift, and we need a moment of, of real contribution. Like, like, I could never pay him back for what he did on the cross. You and I, we, we could never pay him back for the great gift of salvation. But you better believe I'm going to live my whole life honoring him in a way that if it was possible to pay him back, it would pay. Like, I'm going to live my whole life in, in honor of him. I'm going to pave a path for him to walk on to reach other people through my life. And so this is why people spend their time serving in the kingdom of God. This is why we leverage our energy to make a difference in the lives of others. This is why we give of our resources to make a difference. This is why, because we're laying them down to create a pathway for him to enter on. Because what matters most to God should matter to us. This is why we need to be aware of our neighbors that are hurting. This is why we need to be aware of those that are new to the region and feel lost and isolated because what matters to God must matter to his people. And I want to be a blessing to him. I want to be a blessing to him. It's why I leverage my invitations, my influence, my relationships, my prayers, my abilities, all of it is for his glory. All of it is to bless him, to help me to lay all of those things down so that he can reach just one more person. The next thing they say is this. They say, hail to the king of Israel. Hail to the king. Because he was more than just a savior rescuing them. He was more than someone that deserved them to lay down their, their things for him. He was also king. He is king. King of what, you might ask? He's king of the kingdom of God that is revealed in the earth. He's king of a kingdom that shall have no end. He's king over every country, every nation, every government that stands, surrenders, submits to the authority of the kingdom of God. And he's king. We believe he is king. And so what we need, what you need, is a moment of total surrender. Not just Jesus, save me, my life is hard. 
Not just, Jesus, use my gifts and talents and give me purpose. But Jesus, you are king of a kingdom. Not a democracy. Not a republic. You're king of a monarchy and I surrender to you. And I know this, this does not go well with our American Christianity, but that's why we struggle so hard. He's not asking for our opinions. He's not asking us for, to, for us to solve his problems. He's king and he demands total surrender. So today, is Jesus really king in your life? If, if you are one of those that say, yes, I am a Christian, I follow the way of Jesus, then my question to you is, is he king? Yes. Is he more than a savior? Is he king of your priorities? Is he king of your finances? Is he king of your marriage? Is he king of the way you parent? Is he king of your friendships? Is he king of your thought life? Is he king of your sex life? Is he king of your work life? Is he king of your free time? Is he king of your successes? Is he king of your failures? Or is he just king one hour a week on a Sunday? Or do you use that one one hour a week on a Sunday to make him king over the other 167 hours a week saying, Jesus, you are king over everything in my life. Is Jesus king? Because if he's king, he demands surrender. He's not just the one that saved us. He's not just the one that gives us meaning by discovering our purposes and gifts and callings. He's king, king over the kingdom of God, which is being revealed in the earth. He's king. And so many of us might say, yeah, he's king in most areas of my life. Most days, he's king. But there are some days when me and Jesus don't see eye to eye. And on those days, we become a bit of a democracy. My vote equals his vote, and we just kind of work it out. And on days when I feel really confronted by the King Jesus, you know, I protest and I run the streets and I protest and ask him for, you know, to, to change his mind a little bit. And can I just tell you, King Jesus doesn't change his mind. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he is king. We live in a human government, but we surrender to the kingdom of heaven. I've heard, I've read a lot of uh, books and, and had a lot of conversations with people who uh, either, either were believers in difficult countries or have, have come and one would be brother brother Jun from uh, or brother Yun from China, and his his story is absolutely incredible. But people asked brother Yun, he was at a church in Canada, and somebody asked him. They said, brother Yun, can't you just can't you just can't you just wait until God turns China into a democracy? When he overturns the communist government in China, can't you just wait? And brother Yun said, we've never. I've never even thought of that. I've never even prayed for that. Because I love my country, but I am surrendered to King Jesus. Surrendered to King Jesus. As the band would come, I would ask you this. Is he king of all your life? Or is he king of some of your life? About a year and a half ago, I switched my phone from my Alaska number to an Idaho number. Can I tell you, I, I didn't do that because it made life easier. In fact, it complicated my life quite a bit. It made my life difficult. I had to go back and contact every institution that had my phone number and change it. I had to make sure all the people in my life that needed access to me had my new number. I still have people that will occasionally get a hold of me and they say, why didn't you tell me you changed your number? And I, There's no, no offense. I, I didn't mean to offend you, but 
Like, please forgive me. In fact, not only was it easier for me to keep my Alaska number, I really liked having my Alaska number. Because I could go into my favorite store, and when they ask for your phone number, I'd be in Sportsman's Warehouse or an REI or any of these places that ask for your phone number, and I would say, my, my phone number is 907-854-1277. And, and inevitably, there'd be somebody in the line that would say, oh, you're from Alaska. And I'd be like, yes, I am. I am from Alaska. In fact, like, don't you, everybody, like, I just, there's this thing we Alaskans assume that everybody else wants to be like us. Like, we're amazing from Alaska. Like, so amazing. They make TV shows and hire actors to look like us. Like, it's amazing. Or the cashier would be putting it in and they'd say, oh, you're from Alaska. Be it, be it REI or something. Oh, you're from Alaska. Oh, I want to go there so bad. And I'd say, well, where do you want to go? And then I'd be able to share with them all the, the ins and outs of different areas. Like, I got a lot of significance from having my 907 number. You know why I changed it? It's because I felt like God said this. Roger, you're pastoring, you're leading, you're stewarding a church in Idaho. You're doing what I've called you to do. Why are you still keeping one foot in Alaska? Why do you have this internal backup? Are you all in or not? And I'm not saying if you're from somewhere else, you need to change your number to an Idaho number. But I know for me, I got such a deep significance from having 907 as my prefix. I had to have a moment where I said, no, Jesus, I'm not leaving. My great-grandparents are in this ground. I'm going to be in this ground too. I'm not leaving. And I'm going to surrender my cool conversations. And I'm going to surrender all the ease of life because this is my life. And I would ask you this, have you done that with Jesus? Have you surrendered your plan B to him and said, Jesus, you are not just my savior. You are not just my source of significance and purpose. You are king in my life. You are the king in my life. Come hell or high water, I'm, I'm staying in the kingdom of God for the rest of my life. I'm, I'm not looking for a backup plan. I'm not looking for something else. I'm, I'm not looking for a safety net somewhere. I'm in with King Jesus till death. Like I'm in with King Jesus until the end of the road. I'm not going. I'm not putting my toe in one side and in the other side. I'm in with King Jesus. Can I tell you, I know there's people in the room that some are believers and some are not believers, but can I speak to the believers right now? Partial surrender is a recipe for misery in your life. If you're a believer in Jesus and you are partially surrendered to him, you are miserable and you are conflicted. In fact, I would say most of the internal pains and struggles you walk through are a direct relationship to not being surrendered to Jesus. I'm saying surrender to him in the way you live your marriage. Surrender to him in the way you think. Surrender to him in the way you are sexually. Surrender to him in the way you handle your finances. Surrender to him in the way you treat other people that aren't like you. Surrender to Jesus. So today I've come to say, hail, hail King Jesus. Hail King Jesus. I come to a place of complete surrender. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. I called on him for salvation. I, I said, Jesus, I need you, come now. I live my life to make a difference. And I surrender and say, Jesus, you are king, whatever you say is the final say. Would you stand with me today? Church, I just believe that there are people in this room 
just like on that Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago. Easter was on the way, but there were people that recognized King Jesus on a path, and they cried out to him with an open acknowledgement of who he is. Come rescue us now. Come rescue me now. Those people had a moment of real contribution, and I believe he wants that from those that see him this week before Easter as well. Real meaningful contribution into what he's doing in your family, in your friends, in your neighborhoods. And they all had a moment of true surrender to the lordship, the kingship of Jesus, king of the kingdom of God. So right now, as we're a week out from the high holiday of Christianity, I would ask all of us to resubmit our lives to him as Lord. So we're gonna, we're gonna walk through that together and then I'm gonna pray over us. Is that all right? So whether you're, you've been living for God for a long time or you're ready to turn your life to him for the first time right now, I want you to pray a prayer similar to this. You don't have to use my words, but it's a surrender and a belief. It's a repenting and a belief. So listen to this. Let's pray something like this. Jesus, I'm sorry for the things in my life that are not surrendered to you. I'm turning away from those things now. Would you forgive me? I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross, that he was buried in a grave, and three days later he rose with all power in his hands. So right now, I'm placing all of my faith and all of my hope in Jesus Christ alone. Say these words with me. Jesus, be the Lord of my life, and I will follow you every day that I live. Okay, now raise your hands. I just want to pray over you. Lord, I pray that you would use every talent, every gift, every moment. Lord, that as we surrender our energies, our thoughts, our conversations, our influence to somehow bless you, Lord, that you'd be in those moments. Lord, that we would be quick to recognize the relationships that you are working in, that we would be sensitive to your spirit and your leading and your, and your calling in our lives, that we would leverage everything to somehow bless you. And Lord, we surrender our entire lives to you. We surrender our ambitions to you, our hopes to you, our dreams to you. God, you are Lord of our lives. You are King of heaven and you are King of earth. You're the King of our lives. And so we surrender to you now. And we say, Hail, King Jesus. Hail, King Jesus. God bless you, church. Let's live our lives. Surrender to King Jesus. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.